living in a mystery. Yeah. I had to do is it. Is that her? Is that her? I don't even know. I think that's her. That's um, her. She's building a mystery, by the way. Building a mystery. <laughs> See, I don't even know the words. Welcome back to Royals Weekly. I am your host, Marcus Mead, and with me through thick and thin, my twin brother, Mike. I, I assume that you're referring to your own weight fluctuation. And my gain. own weight fluctuation. Yeah. All right, if I put on a couple a... LBs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they got, they got your, uh, you got a picture up at Taco Bell as like a yeah. frequent flyer. Down there. Maybe. Uh, hey, Taco John's for life. Oh, that's right. I forget there's Taco John's because I'm out here on the East Coast. Oh, I can't wait to get back. Um, today we're going to go over the final few days of spring training, do a roster and lineup projection, as well as predictions for the season, uh, and preview the Royals' opening series against the Texas Rangers. Uh, but first, we want to give a shout out to M.W. Walter, who wrote us a wonderful review uh, on Apple Podcasts. Uh, it talks about growing up in Kansas City and going to Kaufman. Much like myself, M.W. Walter moved away from Kansas City and uses podcasts to keep up with the team. Uh, the podcast he uses, Royals Weekly, baby. He says Royals Weekly is, and I quote this, this is a quote, by far the best option, far in all caps, by far the best option Royals Weekly is. He says that uh, we're in the Goldilocks zone of detail, which I really like the Goldilocks zone of detail. That's what we're always going for here, really. I don't ever want to be too detailed. No, No, you don't want to be too detailed. Mm -hmm. You don't want to be, you know, you know, not detailed enough. You want to be right, just right, right? Yeah. And so we really appreciate it. M.W. Walter, thank you for the wonderful review. And we appreciate everyone who listens, subscribes, rates, and reviews. Uh, for those of you who don't, we do not appreciate you. <laughs> uh, so make sure to, to do that. Subscribe, rate, and review. Or Mike will stumble into your house, eat all your food, and take a nap in your bed and never leave because that's hey, his hey, MO. I've done it before. He's done okay. it before. He will do it again. That's right. Uh, that, that's a certainty. Uh, mm-hmm. Now uh, on to this week in Royals baseball. Okay, the Royals were 2-3-2 and two this week, so as of Saturday night, March 28th, that brings them to 14-8-4. Uh, that's 14 wins, 8 losses, and 4 draws. Not that it matters because this is spring training, but it's good to know, I guess. Mike, who do you like for strong performances this week in spring training? Well, you know, uh, this is a week of full platters of crow for me. Um, as mm, you soon like them full. As I, I like that full platter of crow. That's how I put on all these pounds, baby. Um, I cultivated all this mass, just eating crow left and right. Um, as soon as last week I said that Jorge Soler was struggling a little bit, and I didn't hit it home. I didn't say like, oh, he's the worst thing that ever happened. Or this is the worst week I've ever seen. No, none of that stuff. He was just striking out a little too much. As soon as we ended the podcast. Like two hours later. Yeah. The guy just starts going off and he's, he was, I wrote down the numbers. He was six for 13 this week. And at least in up to our taping of this, he had two home runs, four RBIs and a double. Um, so we look like giant dummies there, or at least I do for, for saying that. I will say that he actually got back on track just as we predicted he would. He started easing up a little bit at the plate. He started spraying the ball more to all fields, going more to center and right center, center and left, uh, left center. So in that regard, we got something right. I will say this though, there's not a hitter I have ever seen who looks like they are in pain more when they swing after they get done swinging than that man. He looks like he hurts himself every time. I'm constantly like, worried that he's hurt every time <laughs> he's at too. bat. I'm like, that's it. His season's over. Cause he's got a little bit of a history of being hurt. So, uh, Hey, keep putting him out Solaire and stay healthy, my man. 
Uh, the other guy we got to eat a little crow on as well because it looks like he might be turning around a, a little bit as well. Uh, Carlos Santana had a pretty good uh, week, three for eight, three walks like you know he's going to do. He did hit a home run as well. He had two RBI. Um, so he has looked like he's driving the ball a little bit more, which is uh, good to see. Yeah, those home runs aren't getting like deep out of the ballpark down in Arizona, and you know they're not going to travel the same way in Kansas City or Minnesota or Cleveland. Um, but what I find interesting is that he's hitting line drives, like hard line drives. He looks kind of like he wants to, he knows, it, this is weird and it's total speculation on my part, but it looks like he knows that Kaufman is going to be a harder ballpark to hit home runs in. So he's driving the ball and turning singles into doubles. Did you see that the other day during the game? Oh my gosh. I was going to talk about that a little bit later uh, when we talk about what kind of what we're looking forward to, but um yeah, he took an extra base. He took an extra base on an overthrown cutoff, man. It's, it's an interesting, um, interesting phenomenon. Maybe he'll he'll just hit some line drives this year. Yeah, and what if I what if I told you, hey, guess what? Uh, Salvador Perez and Carlos Santana are going to be on the base paths, and somebody's going to steal an extra base from somebody. That's what happened because Salvi's rounding third. They overthrow a cutoff, man. He doesn't even go home, and Santana takes t- second base. It was uh, beautiful to see, and it's not the only example of that this spring from the Royals. And I'll talk a little bit more about that later, but. Uh, yeah, it was uh, really nice to see. Um, what about what about people who struggled uh, some this week? We we didn't have a ton, but we had a couple. Yeah, it was it was really hard to find people uh, that struggled um, that we ha- at least that we haven't hit on a lot. You know, there's you know, Nicky Lopez is still having his struggles, but he did a little bit better this week too. But the one that I picked out was uh, was one I'm still excited about a lot, and it was exciting to see him because it's the first time I've seen him live. Um, that's Jonathan Bolin. He he really got roughed up by the Angels. Uh, three hits, uh, three earned runs in an inning, one walk. He gave up a home run. But it was fun to see how live that arm is after I've heard about it now. I, I actually got to see it, and it was really fun to see uh, just how live the arm is. I'm not worried about Jonathan Bolin as a prospect or anything like that. I just was happy to see him get to uh, get to go. Yeah, he looks – I thought he actually looked pretty good. Uh, he, he, he did give up that home run. A misplaced pitch and and it was gone and that's how it can turn for you especially down in Arizona you let somebody on and then before you know it somebody's hit a three-run home run but I thought he pitched fairly well he looked fairly well I'll tell you what looks great is this is going to sound weird his body looks totally different than when he got drafted I don't know what he's done I don't know what he's eaten how he's working out but it's working because he is he must have lost 20 25 30 pounds since he since he was drafted out of Memphis when he was a a bigger guy looked more like a Jonathan Broxton body if you remember him oh, yeah. um and he, he was a he, big dude man he, yeah and he was a work <laughs> and Bolin was a workhorse in college uh, but now he he looks like he's like chiseled out of marble he's like in amazing shape yeah. um and so it'll be interesting to see what he can get done this year I know he didn't have a minor league season last year I really am curious to see I think he'll probably start at least in uh, northwest Arkansas so it'll be interesting to see how he handles that step up in competition down there yeah so looking back over the week as a whole, what's something that stood out to you that you thought was a good sign um, looking ahead into the start of the regular season? Well, uh, we kind of already touched on part of it, and then I'll come, I'll circle back around to that. But the Royals might have an offense that can score runs. They've got a very difficult top part of the lineup to get through unscathed. And we saw that in the um, Quintana start against the Angels, I believe. Yeah. Um, he, you know, Quintana's a, a an established major league guy. He's had some really, had some really good years with the White Sox, I think. And he's a tough pitcher. He's one of those kind of effectively wild lefties, but uh, they made him throw a ton of pitches. And that 
if they can do that, if they, that top of the lineup is hard to get through unscathed, like you're going to give up a walk at least, you know, uh, let alone, Oh, now you've gotten through the top two or three. Now you've got Jorge Soler and Salvador Perez and guys who can put it out of the park, even a hundred Dozier. So that they might have an offense that that's really tough to deal with, especially if um, that bottom of the lineup isn't just garbage. You know, if it's not automatic outs down there, that's a really, really tough lineup. So they're going to be able to make pitchers throw pitches. And then the other thing that was really cool was like we talked about earlier, guys taking extra bases. Um, Benintendi did it once last week and Santana did it once last week. And Isbell like, did it once too. Isbell did yesterday. it too. Yesterday. I mean, yeah. it, it, not only does it frustrate the other team and make them kind of look silly a lot of times um, for making bad decisions or making bad throws to cut off men or whatever, um, but it puts us in a better scoring position. And I think it just lifts, boosts the morale of the team because it almost looks like a college team at that point where guys are really looking to take every single base that they can. So that was, uh, that was fun to see. Yeah, it really unites a team as they all sort of cheer on a guy who's taking that extra uh, base, showing that level of hustle. And it sort of is on the flip side, a little demoralizing for a defense that, you know, is now looking at each other like, why didn't you make that throw sooner? Why didn't you do this? You know, like um, it's really e- excellent to see when somebody does that, a real boost for them. Um, mm-hmm. So I love seeing the taking of extra bases. I think you're absolutely right about the lineup and scoring runs seeing how long it is right now as a lineup is, is really great to see. And you're right. That Quintana start Quintana was pitching really well in that game, like really well. He had excellent stuff. His command was good, but they grinded out at bats in the first few innings and got him to 80 pitches uh, like midway through the fourth. Yeah. He he was out very quickly. Um, And, and I know people will say like, well, bullpens are so specialized now that it doesn't really matter how quickly you get a starter out, but it actually, it really does. Right. Because you want to, anytime a pitcher is humming or is effective, you want him out of there, right? Like you want him out. And so you can get into the bullpen and maybe one of their bullpen guys isn't feeling it that night and bam, that's your chance to score. And so you want them having to reach into their bullpen in the fourth, fifth, sixth inning, instead of in the seventh, eighth, ninth inning. Um, Because one, those are going to be the worst bull. Those are going to be the long relief guys, the mid relief guys, not the dominant closer guys. And then also you want them changing pitchers as frequently as possible, because eventually you're going to get to one who doesn't have his stuff that day. And that's your chance to really uh, knock guys around. So it was, it was good to see that, like, even if they're not getting hits off guys, they're going to grind out at bats. They're going to have opportunities. They scored two against Quintana. They had a chance to score more. They had the bases loaded twice. I think maybe twice. Um, I think so. I know they at least had it loaded once and couldn't couldn't get anything across. But um, yeah, it'll be great to see if that. I hope that continues into, into the season. If you like what you're hearing, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review us on whatever platform you use. But especially if it's Apple Podcasts, because for some reason that's like the uh, divinity of all podcast apps. Uh, it helps people find the show and helps us build a larger community. If you leave us a five star rating and good review, we'll make sure to give you a shout out and read the snippet of your review on the next show. This week, we shine the spotlight on the Royals roster and lineup. It's prediction time. Everyone and their uncle has put out a Royals roster and lineup prediction, but we decided to wait until just before the season started to give us the best chance of getting it right. We're kind of, we like to cheat here at Royals Weekly. We like to not take chances and be right as frequently as possible. So we'll pick the 26-man roster, do our best to uh, project the lineup, and talk a little bit about how we feel about the roster taking shape. Keep in mind, this is a projection, so this is what we think the Royals will do and not necessarily what we would do if we were Dayton Moore with his pearly white teeth and soul. 
All right, we'll start with the easiest group, the catchers. Mike, why don't you tell us who's going to be the catching for the Royals this year? I love to get the easiest group. This is fantastic. Uh, I predict Salvador Perez and Cam Gallagher. Thank you very much. Yes. <laughs> uh, when my prediction is right, I expect glory and praise. All right. <laughs> Perez is obvious. He's going to do Participation great. Participation ribbons. Yes, all around. Um, he's going to do great. We all know what Salvador Perez is. Got himself some money. Way to go, Sal. We love you. Cam Gallagher, I'm coming to love as well. The guy uh, catches a solid game. He's not going to hit you the home runs, but he's going to, you know, knock a couple hits out there as you need him uh, when he's in there. So that's good enough for a backup catcher. Uh, and we've talked about this in the past. He may be a starting catcher for a handful of teams in this in this league in Major League Baseball. Uh, we won't get to see Mabry's Valoria. Um, he'll start down in uh, Omaha, but um, – you know, I don't know that there's much of a difference between maybe Valoria and Cam Gallagher, to be honest with you. Um, but that's that's how it goes. And we've actually churned out some backup catchers very recently that have gone on to to do some good things with other teams. Brian Pena and Manny Pena are the two that I kind of think of. But uh, and, well, I guess Drew Bruteria was kind of a, a backup, a solid guy when he came to us, but we sent him on. He had more years after that. So uh, wow. kudos to Pedro Grafal. Yeah, and that's... I think the anticipated track maybe for Cam Gallagher, you're not going to pay him in free agency. So maybe you send him out to another team and you let Valoria take his place and keep your backup catcher nice and cheap. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, that sounds great to me. Yeah. It sounds great to me. Give Cam his chance to start somewhere else. Um, mm -hmm. Hopefully get him a, I don't know, world series championship this year. I don't know. Well, he's still got a couple of years probably left of arbitration, um, but they may not even want to pay those years out. Um, they may just say like, let's get somebody in here on league minimum and uh, let somebody else pay him, pay his arbitration. Uh, we'll see on that one. Um, I'll talk a little bit about the infield. Uh, this is where things get really interesting and really crazy. So um, for the infield, we're going to set a projection of Hunter Dozier at third base, Adalberto Mondesi at shortstop, Whit Merrifield at second, Carlos Santana at first, and Hansel Alberto and Ryan McBroom on the bench. Uh, you may have heard Whit Merrifield at second base in that last section. That's because that's what we're projecting. Um, Whit Merrifield at second, no Nicky Lopez. The Royals have been signaling this for the last week or so uh, by playing Merrifield at second um, and not, not starting uh, Lopez. Lopez has had such a poor spring that I think he may have played himself right out of a starting spot. And if he's not starting, I don't think they're going to have him on the roster, honestly. I think it makes more sense to send him down to AAA, let him get his confidence back. Well, first at the alternate site, then to AAA, because that's how it's going to work this year. Let him find his swing, let him get his confidence back, then bring him back up whenever he's ready and there's an opportunity. Um, I don't think they think his potential is gone. I don't think they think that, like sort of he's a 4A player and he's never going to make it in the major leagues. I think they're just waiting for him to find it. I think they're not ready to give up on him. I'm not either, right? I think he just needs to, he, right now it's a confidence issue as much as anything, and he just needs to go find some. And you can't be finding some at the major league level. Like that's not, not that's not, not the place. Not playing once a week, you can't. No, and, and not playing once a week. And they don't want him to be trying to find it playing every day either, because no. then you're hitting 200 and the team needs you to stop being an automatic out. And so send him down, let him, he's got three options. It's not a problem. Um, let him uh, find that confidence. And then when he comes back up, maybe he's not an everyday player. Maybe he's, you know, uh, a couple times a week, three times a week, uh, moving around the infield a little bit, but maybe he's more ready to show something and get a chance to fight for an everyday spot moving forward. 
um, because that's sort of his path, I think, at this point. We'll see, though. Um, other than that, you have uh, we we have McBroom making the, the bench here. Well, good pinch hitting bat. He's just really hit well uh, during spring training and also showed uh, aptitude for pinch hitting during last uh, last season. So I think they'll want a chance to have a power up bat off the off the bench, and they have enough players that give him for them versatility uh, on defense. Real quick before we move on, who's the best pinch hitter you can remember? Matt Stairs. That's what I was thinking. I was exactly thinking of Matt Stairs. Yeah. Um, he's, yeah. The, he's the prototype. He's the, you know, he's the ideal of, uh, of pinch hitters, I think, right. in people's if, minds. If you're listening out there and you can think of a better pinch hitter in recent memory, any, any, maybe you're super, you know, advanced in years and you can remember one from back in the day, um, throw it on our Twitter feed at Royals Weekly. Let us know, hey, this is, was a guy who was a great pinch hitter. I'm only really thinking of Matt Stairs right now. I know Edgar Martinez towards the end of his career was doing a lot of pinch hitting, um, but I'm talking about a guy that you really think, hey, pinch hitter, this is the person I think of. Um, that's that's what I want to know. We want to hear these names. We want to collect a list of sort of obscure pinch hitting professionals yes. uh, who, who never made it as regulars. <laughs> <laughs> uh that's 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 our that's what that's what gets us going in the morning uh so well, let's move on to the outfield here uh well i'm glad you mentioned the the whip playing second thing because you know what that means that means mike is happy because that means kyle Lisbell's making this team okay and he's gonna play uh, every day and that means the bottom of your lineup looks pretty solid uh we have andrew benintendi as your mostly everyday left fielder michael a taylor in center that means Kyle Isbell in right or more of maybe a rotational kind of thing. He may bounce around a little bit. Uh, Gerard Dyson um, as probably your, your fourth outfielder most of the time. And then Jorge Soler getting right field, DH kind of rotating uh, at those Mostly positions. DH, of course. Yeah, mostly DH. Uh, Isbell makes the team, so we're happy about that. Uh, they need to make room on the 40-man roster, though, to get him onto the team. And, and we haven't really talked much about the 40-man um, but let me kind of lay that out for you. Uh, right now, the Royals have 38 on their 40-man roster, but Dan Tilo is going to go to the 60-day DL. They call it IL now. It's, injury it's the IL, yeah. yeah. Um, as he recovers uh, from his injury. And so that gives us three spots, but we're kind of projecting some other people to take up some of those spots in a Wade Davis, Hunter Alberto, and possibly Irvin Santana. So the way Mark put it earlier was they're going to find a way to, to get Isbell on there. We've seen in the past that sometimes coming out of spring training, somebody will have an injury we never knew was there, or uh, they'll sense a sneaky waiver candidate through. Um, what do you think? Yeah, that's, that's what I was thinking when we started putting this together and whether you consider Irvin Santana, the last man to make the roster or Isbell, the last man to make the roster or whoever, um, the Royals will find a way if they just need one roster spot, if they just need one person to on the 40 man, they'll find a way to make that happen. Right. Um, they are the Kings of somebody just got an injury and then they sort of buy themselves two weeks. Right. Uh, maybe Bolaños who we haven't seen at all during spring training. don't know where he is. Don't know what he's doing. Maybe he's hurt. Well, or you brought up Zerpa. We, we haven't seen him in, a while weeks. yeah <laughs> weeks, right? uh, so there are there are guys who could like you know all of a sudden have an injury or who could like who may even be able to get through waivers i was telling mike dark horse waiver candidate uh ryan o'hearn like 
if he doesn't make the roster here, do we think somebody else would pick him up after that spring training he just had? And after the fact that he hasn't really had a good year in a couple of years, it's, it's likely that O'Hearn who doesn't really make sense on a lot of benches and really doesn't make sense as you're starting first baseman right now, it's likely he would make it through waivers. Um, and so, you know, the question we would have to ask ourselves is what's the risk of like putting him through waivers versus say not having Irvin Santana or not having Kyle Isbell on the team. I think they would rather go with Santana and Isbell try and win games immediately than, you know, try and keep uh, an O'Hearn or a Zerpa or something like that uh, from being picked up in waivers. Yeah. And uh, last thing that I'll mention there, uh, Michael A. Taylor still making you look like a fool. Yeah. Uh, Michael A. Taylor. Hey, I'm he's killing it. Gladly. Gladly. gladly yeah. I would love to see him. <laughs> continue uh, the run that he's on right now because boy will that add a ton that of value makes the bottom of the lineup so for the royals strong. Uh, well then where's the weakness if you have an isbel and a taylor and they're your eight nine hitters where's the weakness right like yeah mm-hmm. it just it seems like that's a solid solid lineup um some people are gonna have to pitch too of course and so uh let's take a look at the starting pitching uh we already know this one this one's the one second easiest besides the catchers um brad keller mike minor brady singer Danny Duffy, they'll be your your four starters to start the year. Uh, The Royals won't need a fifth starter because of off days for a couple weeks. And so right now they're just rolling with those four. I am going to project that Jacob Junis is the fifth starter in this rotation. Uh, He won't be used as a starter until mid-April, but I'm calling him the fifth starter in our little roster projection. Uh, that means no Bubich. I think Bubich will stay down in AAA, uh, really at the alternate site, and then AAA if it gets to that. Keep working on his command. Keep finding uh, a way to throw strikes so that he's not so pitch inefficient, so that he's not, you know, giving up bombs and stuff like that. And so Junis with his new cutter, with his improved changeup, he has just looked so good. And I think if you're actually trying to win games, as they say they are, and we should start believing them, maybe, uh, the Royals, I mean, uh, then you have to go with Junis because right now he is the better pitcher. He has the longer and better track record too, which we ignore because it's not recent like Bubich's. But Bubich started, what, 12 games last year? And he pitched well, major league average roughly. Um, but Junis has a much longer track record as a starting pitcher and has had seasons where he was major league average or better. And so I think I think they like his mound presence. I think they love that new cutter. And I think you're seeing a kind of a resurgence for Junis. So uh, I'll be interested to see him until until two weeks from now. I think they will have him come out of the bullpen some. I think they'll have him throw two, three innings. They're going to have to do something to try and stretch him out a little bit. Maybe in his first start or two, they only let him go, you know, 60, 70 pitches or something like that. Um, so as not to uh, run the risk of hurting him. But I think eventually he's going to be worked up to starting regularly because why wouldn't you do that? He is the better of the two pitchers at this moment. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And my hope is that kind of everybody stays healthy enough and they're able to fill innings enough that Bubich can really stay down for a little while. And then we get to see him more in the second half of the year, hopefully with uh, some real tangible improvement that we can see. Yeah, it's going to have to happen. I mean, they, they're going to need to find those innings somewhere. Um, and I think Bubich, Kowar, Lynch, all of them end up in the major leagues this year. Um getting innings, uh, getting work, getting the, at least a taste of what the major leagues like. And if, and if the Royals are competitive, you know, then maybe uh, they get a taste in the bullpen as well and actually throw some meaningful innings in, in, in the major leagues. Yeah. And the other thing that keeping in Irvin Santana does for you is 
their starting experience there. Now he may not be fully stretched out to do that right away, but if you need to piggyback him with uh, Jake Junis, or even if Junis gets hurt later in the year and he's got to be a three inning, four inning guy, you can do that. And Hernandez, we should we should loop Hernandez into that as well. He, I don't, we don't yeah. project him to make this roster, but he's in the same boat as um, Bubich and Lynch and Coar as guys who will will end up in the majors leagues at some point this year, providing mm-hmm. meaningful innings for the Royals. Okay. Um, so yeah, all we have left now is the bullpen. Okay, and we uh, we did our draft. Uh, what was that? A couple of weeks ago now, or last week? Yeah, wow. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, time is a flat circle. Nobody knows. Um, uh, so Josh Stomout being the probably the highest leverage guy that you want. Uh, Greg Holland, Scott Barlow, who's been good for a few a couple of years. Jesse Hahn, who I like a lot, throwing really well right now. We do project Wade Davis to make it. He I think has pitched his way in there. You know we were both really skeptical. Um, I'm still a little skeptical, but um, he has definitely earned it. Uh, Richard Lovelady as the sole lefty. His numbers are better than you would think this spring. They're good. Yeah, Love Ladies are pretty good so far. Uh, now they've he's kind of the the runs he's given up and stuff have been more recently, um, so he's not necessarily trending in the way you want him to go. But he's he's pitched well. He has um, Kyle Zimmer, even though he has an option, I believe, and then Irvin Santana. Those are uh, those are the bullpen arms that we think they're going to go with. Um, they'll find we, we've already talked about the forty man, but they're going to find a way to get. Uh, Irvin Santana on the 40 man um, love ladies pitched as, as good as we think he probably will. He, he, he's got um, things he needs to work on as well, especially with uh, some control issues at times. He just loses it. It just goes away. Um, but yeah, I think that's a solid bullpen. Assuming, assuming one, you think, you know what you're going to get with Wade Davis Two, Scott Barlow and Jesse Hahn can be the best versions that we've seen of themselves. If that makes sense. And then, of course, that Josh Stamont is healthy and the Josh Stamont that we saw last year. And it looked like he really picked it up in his recent outings. Uh, he was blowing guys down uh, with that power fastball com- or curveball combo uh, in his most recent outings. So I was, was glad to see that. He struggled in his first outing, but uh, I was glad to see it looked like he was stronger uh, second time through uh, and has been more recently. Uh, I will say that uh, I think – Getting out of Arizona will benefit Lovelady as well. I think he has trouble sometimes with the fact that when he gets hit, it's a lot of loud noise and it, the ball goes far. It's the ball just travels so far in Arizona that I think getting into Kaufman, bigger dimensions, that'll sort of offset what might be the most um, the biggest downside of his game, which is that guys can sometimes barrel him quite quite easily um, and then let him sort of feel more comfortable. Uh, as he gets going the one that i'm most worried about is actually Irvin santana i think you you hear no like you hear praise from the front office about him and from a lot of people in the royals orbit um but i'm still skeptical like he is 38 years old i think yeah uh, and so you they were know, talking about him throwing 94 the other day they were and yet which he didn't throw when he was with us the first time i know i know uh guys don't usually do that um <laughs> they don't usually gain velocity in their late 30s and so i worry a little bit about irv uh both in terms of you know 
the age and the body breaking down, but also in terms of like effectiveness. He hasn't been effective in the major leagues in quite some time. And so to me, that's the sort of weak link yeah. along with maybe the uncertainty with, uh, around Love Lady. Uh, but I want to say it was 2017 or 2018. He had a pretty good year with, I think, Minnesota. But yeah, increasing your velocity in your late 30s is not, uh, generally speaking, something that happens very often. Yeah, he had a pretty good year, 2017. You're right, you're right about that. Um, yeah. So that's the last time he was successful. FYI, it's 2021 now, Mike. That's four know, yeah. years ago. Uh, <laughs> it's not supposed to be. Supposed it doesn't to seem be. like it seems like 2017 was yesterday. It was four years ago. Um, and so, yeah, we'll see on Irv. I hope hope for the best for him. Um, uh, but I think he's probably going to make this team, and they're going to have to find a spot for him on the 40 man. So take, taking a look at this roster as, as a whole, what do you think? What are, you, what are your thoughts on how it's shaped up, uh, how it's going to look going into this season? Well, I, I can say this. I'm more optimistic about the lineup than I thought I would be, okay? Uh, quite a bit more. I'm happy Isabel made it, all that stuff. Um, I think there's – and, of course, we're still kind of hoping that Michael A. Taylor, you know, carries it over from the spring. But I'm still very much worried about the bullpen. That's still my one area that I say, okay, now, are there areas to worry about with the starting rotation? Sure, there are. Yeah. Can Danny Duffy really keep it going? Mike Miner is always is, is a crapshoot at this point, too. Um, but for me, it's really the bullpen. That's the one that's scariest, I guess. Because I've never been, you know, I know they've used Scott Barlow a lot, but I've never been a huge Scott Barlow guy. I, I mean, I look at his numbers and I watch him pitch and I go, okay, he's not bad, but he's not the guy that I want to say, okay, you're in my second best bullpen arm. Um, and then because the, the rest of them are just, there's so, so many question marks with the rest of them, you know, Greg Holland and Wade Davis, you know, they're getting up there. Wade Davis hasn't been that effective, kind of never got better after the injury, you know, love lady never really had success at the major league level. Kyle Zimmer has like 40 appearances of success, which isn't anything. Um, so yeah, bullpen's the thing that scares me the most still. Yeah, I think Barlow, while I, I like him a bit more than you do, is a guy who sometimes his stuff doesn't match his results, right? And so got that great slider, throws pretty hard, 95, 96, 97 at times. Um, but he still gives up pits and runs more than you would think a guy like that would. Uh, uh, but I, I think I'm a little more secure in him. I think your trepidation about the bullpen speaks to something about the larger roster, which is that there's a lot of upside with this roster. The roster that we projected is a pretty bold one. It really goes for getting wins right now, um, right off the bat immediately, but it also has a lot of uncertainty in it, right? Um, how certain can you be about a first baseman who's 35 years old? How certain can you be that Salvador Perez will stay healthy or Mondesi will stay healthy or Soler will stay healthy? How certain can you be that Irvin Santana can provide useful innings out of the bullpen? Uh, how certain can you be that Danny Duffy will keep it rolling? And, and there's just a, and there's stay healthy a, and stay healthy. How certain can you be if, you, if you're planning on playing Kyle Isbell every day? He's never played in the major leagues. He's never played above high A, right? And so, you know, there is a lot of uncertainty baked into however exciting this roster is. And it is exciting, right? There's a lot of potential in this roster. Um, it also has a lot of uncertainty baked into it. Mm-hmm which will also be true of the lineup, which we're going to talk about right now as we give us a nice little lineup projection. I do want to point out uh, for all of those listening who get really hot-blooded about lineups, lineups don't really matter that much. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of evidence that suggests that what, it matters way more that you have a lot of good hitters and not necessarily what order those hitters come in, right? 
but we're going to go ahead and do it let you know what we think the lineup will look like. We think, uh, of course, the first two are pretty much locked in. Whit Merrifield playing second, hitting first. Andrew Benintendi playing left field and hitting second. In our projected lineup, we put Carlos Santana hitting third and playing first base. Recently, they've had Mondesi in uh, there, but we're saying that maybe that's not a great idea. What do you yeah. think, Mike? I, I don't like it. Um, I think what he, he does, I think he maybe. I think he maybe provides more of an opportunity to drive the ball than Santana at this point, which is mm-hmm. odd because he's not, you know, he's not a big guy or he doesn't play a big power profile position, um, but he can drive it. I mean, the guy can drive the ball, but we've got, so and Perez projected after him. And so I think Santana's not only ability to get on base, but combine that with his ability to drive the ball a little bit. I think Santana fits much better there in a more reliable um know what you're going to get kind of a way. He's also not going to go into a half season slump. Um, Cause you know, like you've said in the past, walking doesn't slump. Um, so yeah, that I, I like Santana a lot better there. And it allows you to move Mondesi down to get some, somebody who can really be a spark plug and a, a run producer at the bottom. Yeah. I, I that's a great point. I, I didn't think about that, but it's a great point that the inconsistency that Mondesi can show sometimes, I mean, you might end up dropping him down anyway. So, so why not like just start with a guy who, you know, is going to grind at bats, who, you know, is going to, you know, um, make a force a pitcher to throw lots of pitches, give Soler and Perez a chance to see more pitches as a result. Um, I think that's probably a a good, um, a good choice to keep Santana in that three spot. Let him be a great hitter for you. That that first inning is going to be tough for pitchers, really tough with Merrifield, Benintendi, and Santana. That's that's a tough first inning. And you know the first is often the time when you can really get after a pitcher. You know, mm-hmm. there are a lot of pitchers who struggle early and then have to get into a rhythm. Tough to get into a rhythm when guys like Santana and Benintendi and Whit Merrifield are fouling off, off three yeah. of your best pitches to put you away, right? Yeah. Uh, I think that's a really great sort of strategy for the top of the lineup. Uh, coming in at fourth, we're going to have Solaire at DH. Uh, I chose Solaire for his on-base ability. I want on-base guys higher up in the order. I want my on-base guys to get more at-bats. We have Perez catching at fifth. You could really flip-flop those, and it's not a huge deal. And you might want to flip-flop them to get space between more space between Perez and Mondesi. Uh, There was a great argument made by Dave Lesky, um, I think in Royals Review, though he has some other uh, places that he writes, that it's a good idea to keep Perez and Mondesi away from each other because they can both be really quick outs. So there's a chance that you could... If you put them right next to each other, there's a chance that you have a very quick inning. Um, and so what you're looking for is to have pitchers have to work. You know, you don't want them to give to get into a rhythm by, you know, striking out Perez on three pitches and getting a one pitch ground out from Mondesi or something like that. Um, and so but we're going to go ahead and go with Solaire fourth hitting or playing DH Perez catching and hitting fifth. Then we're going to put Mondesi at shortstop in the sixth spot. Uh, we do the- this. Oh, Sorry, the other thing that I d- d- want to throw in there is uh, Mondesi at the sixth spot is kind of uh, what we think the Royals will do. Not necessarily what we would do, um, but we, we th- what we think the Royals will do. Yeah, and we put Mondesi in sixth basically to break up this block of right-handed hitters that the, the Royals would ha- will have to deal with, right? Now they have Soler, Perez, and Dozier. That's a big block of right-handed hitters. What are they going to do? They, they usually don't like to put righty 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 they want to break it up so that when they get to the bullpen you can force them to bring in a lefty if they need to or something or hit 
or to a lefty to pitch against your switch hitter or your right-handed hitter. Um, and so we think that they'll probably try and block up that or break up that block of hitters with a Mondesi instead of pushing Mondesi down to say seventh, which is where I would prefer him to be. Um, but instead we have Dozier hitting seventh and playing third, Isbell hitting eighth and playing right field and Taylor hitting ninth and playing center field. We put Isbell eighth so that Taylor and Dozier aren't hitting next to each other. Again, the Royals love to go back and forth, switch, switching hands. Uh, so you can't bring in a right, a righty to dominate uh, out of the bullpen or a lefty for that matter. So that's our, our lineup Whit Merrifield, Andrew Benintendi, Carlos Santana, Jorge Soler, Salvador Perez, Adalberto Mondesi, Hunter Dozier, Kyle Isbell, and Michael A. Taylor. Thoughts on how that, how that shakes out. Uh, you know, it isn't exactly what I would do, but I think, uh, Either way, that that looks like a very solid lineup if we get what we've seen in the spring to carry over. Yeah, and I think even though they've been experimenting with Mondesi uh, in the three-hole, I think that they're more inclined to go with Santana. I, I think that they're more likely to push down Mondesi just a little bit and uh, mm-hmm. and try and make a really difficult first inning for pitchers. We're going to ignore the last couple of games of spring training because honestly, who cares at this point? And we're going to focus entirely on the Royals opening series against the Texas Rangers. Opening day is Thursday, 310 Central Time, 410 if you live on the East Coast like I do, uh, which will kick off the three-game set to start the year. Pitching matchups for this opening series, it'll be Brad Keller versus Kyle Gibson on opening day. Uh, Mike Miner versus maybe, and I'm going to pronounce this name wrong because somehow there are like 18 consonants in it. Uh, Mike Fulton, <laughs> I even have a, I have a frenetic thing. I can't, I still can't spell it or pronounce it. Mike Fultonevich. That sounds right. Mike Fultonevich will uh, go in game two for the Texas Rangers. Probably they don't have a real set uh, opening day or set uh, rotation yet. And then Brady Singer versus maybe uh, Kohei Ar- Arihara. Uh, which is this new pitcher that they got from Japan. If you can't tell, the Rangers are in a little bit of a rebuild. <laughs> uh, <laughs> opening with Kyle Gibson. Yeah. They're opening with Kyle Gibson. I can't pronounce the name of their next second starter, though, though Fultonovich has had success with the Braves previously. And their third starter they just got from Japan. And so, yeah, the uh, Rangers are uh, not, a, not a stellar team uh, this year. But you, you had thoughts on Brad Keller versus Kyle Gibson to open, open the season. Yeah, before I start on Brad Keller and Kyle Gibson, let me just say East Coast, least coast. All right. Midwest is where it's at, dog. <laughs> um, so as far as Brad Keller and Kyle Gibson, uh, Gibson, Mizzou guy, we like him a lot. He's but he's he's a pretty average major league pitcher. He'd give you four or five ERA. Um he can strike out guys a little bit, but it's not gonna be anything uh, over the top. I'm excited to see Brad Keller come out and get a lot of ground balls. I'm excited to see that Royals lineup give Kyle Gibson an early exit if we can. Now, he's not going to be stretched out to begin with. None of these guys are going to be completely where they they need to be. And so um, this is the kind of team and the kind of matchup where you can take advantage of and jump on them early and get early wins against the Texas Rangers. Yeah, I think think Gibson is what you would consider like the definition of major league average, basically. Um, And the fact that they're rolling out him as their opening day starter is not a great uh, sign for the Rangers and a sign that the Royals need to take two of three for the series, at least if they want to get off to the kind of start that will allow them to stay competitive. Um, 
In the second game, Mike Miner versus Mike, it's the battle of the Mikes, really. Uh, Mike Miner versus Mike F. I'm just going to call him Mike F. Problem solved. Mike F is uh, another pitcher who, over the course of his career, has been major league average, but he's had some really successful seasons in Atlanta with the Braves. Um, his career ERA is 4.33. His career FIP is exactly the same. That's his fielding independent pitching, exactly the same. Um, so for for the Royals is Mike, Mike Miner, uh, former uh, Ranger starter from last the last couple of years. Uh, it's going to be all about like, can he find command with the with his breaking stuff? His curveballs look really good this spring. Um, I think that will play up even more coming up north to the less um, hitter friendly environment of Kauffman Stadium. I think he'll he'll excel in that, uh, especially early in the year when it's not going to be ninety degrees outside. Probably, who knows? This is Missouri. It could be could be one hundred and five on opening day, um, and so. I'll be interested to see what minor looks like in that result. I'll really be interested to see a radar gun on him. Cause I want to see, is he still throwing 94, 93, like he has been most of spring. If he is, I think that that bodes well for the kind of season he'll have. Um, and then Brady Singer versus uh, Kohei Arihara. Uh, I know virtually nothing about Kohei Arihara. I know that Brady Singer is good and hopefully he uh, comes out and starts throwing dimes because I would love to get two out of three or a sweep from this opening series. Yeah, and uh, just you brought something up that made me think about Kyle Gibson. Kyle Gibson had some, had one or two really good years with the uh, Twins, who he's been with for most of his career. But um, most of the time, you're talking about a guy who's just major league average. Um, so if you can't go out and beat major league average, major league average, and has never pitched in the major leagues, um, then that's a problem. So hopefully, we can. Uh, I'm looking for two out of three or a sweep as well. One of those things that will maybe help us get to that two out of three or a sweep is to continue the patient approach that we've had throughout spring. That's the real revolution for this team year to year. From 2020 to 2021, it looks like the Royals have gotten a lot more patient. It looks like they're going to be able to take a lot of walks. It looks like they're going to be able to get deep into to bullpens. And I think that those types of approaches, those types of at-bats are really going to play uh, with the speed, with the take extra bases attitude that they have. Um, if they can get production out of Michael A. Taylor, if Carlos Santana still has a lot left in the tank, if Benintendi gets back to his 2018 form, that's a lot of ifs, but we see something like that, then the patient approach carrying over, they're going to score lots of runs. Yeah. And and my thing, my uh, hoping for this week as well, rolls right into that. Lean on the top of that lineup against really what is inferior pitching. You really lean on the front end, make them work. If you can get off to big starts in the, with the first five guys in your lineup, if you get a lot of production out of them, you're going to win games in that, for, in that first series. And then hopefully that carries over to series when the pitching, you know, picks up a little bit. Oh, I did want to throw out a, um, a season prediction, a win loss prediction. Everybody's doing it. Let's, let's all just the hum. cool kids all out, the cool kids are doing it win loss projections man and we're gonna Ugh. we're gonna jump on board i gotta and add to 162 floats. let me get my calculator out Damn. yeah <laughs> <laughs> i don't have enough fingers and toes for this Jesus. so what are you thinking for a win loss record this year for the royals uh i'm gonna go with uh 79 and 83 Ooh, that is bold that is that's my, super bold uh, that's my prediction there 79 and 83 i think at the by the end of the season we are happy with the step forward that we've taken in the uh, pitching category. I think, I think at the end of this year, we have a very good idea what we can look forward to pitching wise for the next couple of years. 
I'm going to go with 78 and 84. So one less one than you're going with. Yeah. Um, Mine was super bold and yours, yours is super well. bold. Mine is very reasonable. <laughs> rational. Okay? Actually, rational. I, I think mine is pretty bold too. I think 75 right now is pretty, this is the safe prediction, right? Um, most of the projection systems have us doing like 71 wins, 72 wins, that sort of thing. I think 75 is a real safe projection. I'm going to go 78 and 84. Um, because I think things are going to go well for the Royals. I think they're going to, uh, some things will break their way. I think the fact that they're being aggressive, it looks like with bringing up prospects who are ready to play like Isabel, at least as we've projected it, I think they'll be aggressive bringing up Lynch and Kowar, Bobby Wood Jr. Mid season, you know, who knows? Um, I think that sort of kicks them into overdrive and gets them into a place where they're going to win quite a few games, especially in the second half of the season. Um, and so, yeah, I'm going to go with a bold 80 or 78 and 84 for the Royals this year. All right, to finish off, we'll do our just a bit outside segment where we share something that's interesting us outside of baseball this week. Mike, what do you got? Um, well, so for a little while now, or I've been kind of caught up in mysteries. Okay. And it's much like Sarah McLaughlin. Yes. <laughs> I'm living in a mystery. Yeah. I had to do is it. Is that her? Is that her? I don't even know. I think that's her. That's um, her. And she's building a mystery, by the way. Building a mystery. <laughs> See, I don't even know the words. But damn great song, I'll tell you that. Um, the 90s. God, I miss them. Uh, so I've been caught up in like mystery shows. And so when Netflix came out with Unsolved Mysteries, a show that you and I and mom watched oh, a lot it. as kids. Loved um, it. When Netflix came out with it, I watched it and I was like, man, this is great. And then I was able to go out and find one on Hulu called Just Unsolved. And it takes like a lighthearted approach to some of these weirdo mysteries that have never been solved. Some of them are murders, some of them are not. Um, but it was really like lighthearted and that was fun to watch too. Um, but I just found a podcast that's Vox does, um, the media outlet, if you're not familiar with Vox. Um, called Unex the unexplainable podcast and there's only i think three or four episodes but i listened listened to all of them yesterday because um, they were so good and they they focus on science kind of but it's a pretty kind of loose definition of science so one of the art one of the podcasts is on uh like some skeletal remains that were found um and then trying to explain kind of where they came from and all this stuff um but it's all about stuff like scientific mysteries that are still unexplainable and uh, yeah, I highly recommend it. They're about uh, 30 to 45 minutes long and they are phenomenal. So if you're into mysteries and podcasts, unexplainable uh, from Vox. I'm going to bring up something for my just about outside that I talk about very frequently. Mm. And that is the show Teenage Bounty Hunters. Uh, it's a Netflix show and it might be the greatest show I've ever seen in my life. Sadly, it was canceled after one season because Netflix doesn't know what the hell they're doing. And so this is a show about two teenage girls who are twins who sort of walk backwards into becoming bounty hunters. And it's fun and it's hilarious and it's lighthearted and it's, they play around with the idea of what it means to be like a, a Gen Z person. And, and it, what's interesting about it too, it has like a, there's some intellectual depth to it too, if you want to look closely enough, right? Because they depict upper class uh, hyper-religious families in the South in a particular way that's not meant to be snobby or um, condescending in any way, but is meant to sort of show like what they're like, but also 
the moment, the things that they struggle with, even though they have money and stuff like that. It's just, it's really interesting to watch these two uh, teenagers uh, go through this religious private school and, and then decide to also become bounty hunters. If you can get over the premise of like, oh, they're teenagers who are bounty hunting, then it's just the most phenomenal show. Um, so give it a watch. It's hilarious. It's just fun and interesting show. Uh, I highly recommend. And if Netflix is out there watching, which we know they are, bring this show back or any <laughs> other streaming service. I will pay money just to watch this show. So get it done. Hey, if they never did it for happy endings, I don't know why they would for this, but uh, hey. I hope you get that, brother. You know how good this show is. <laughs> I've never seen it. <laughs> oh, huge mistake. Huge mistake. You're not living oh, your life right. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, that's all we have this week for this week. Um, thank you for listening. Subscribe, rate, and review. Tell your friends. Get the word out. We're starting a revolution over here, real, people. Real baseball's coming back, baby. Real baseball Real baseball. Back. Go Royals. Uh, I'll be live tweeting opening day, so look out for that. And uh, go Royals. Go Royals.